0: You're listening to Equipped, the preaching ministry of First Baptist Dry Prong in Dry Prong, Louisiana. Today we continue our series on the book of Colossians, Christ Above All, and the message is entitled, The Responsibilities of the Reconciled. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy. Continue today in the book of Colossians, and we're going to finish out Colossians chapter one, and I'm excited to share what I believe God's laid on my heart this week. It's been a, an interesting week for, for us. You know, we've got uh, a chicken coop now, so we're, we're farmers, farmers in Beverly Hills. Something else that happened, something else that happened uh, this week. I want to share, uh, Jeremiah, you know, it's funny how you can tell your kids something a hundred times and they just don't, don't get it until they see the consequences. I've told this kid a hundred times, you've got to move your bicycle and you've got to move your little scooter or it's going to get ran over. Well, I got a text, I think it was Tuesday morning, and guess what? Mom ran over Jeremiah's scooter. Well, we told him and we warned him, so he suffered the consequences. But what me and Carissa tried to do this week, we tried to use this as a teaching moment. And... uh, it ended up working out for good, I think, because we said, you know what? You want a scooter, you're going to have to earn it. So we made him a big list of what you'd call chores, of what we might call responsibilities. And you want to, we'll give you a check mark for everything you do. Take the dog out. Now feed the chickens. Or uh, clean your room. Make your bed. This sort of thing. And he did that. And at the end of the week, we were able to replace his scooter. And I was reminded this week, you know, me and Carissa... We haven't really had this conversation too much, but me and Carissa, we really, we're not raising children. Me and Carissa, we're raising adults. And that's our job as parents, to raise adults. And one day, I hope Jeremiah, he'll, he'll leave the house. And the, the first five years or so is really just keeping the child alive, keeping them safe. But the next 5, 10, or 20 years, however long it will be, is going to be raising an adult. Raising somebody who will one day take on the responsibilities of being a husband, of being a father, of being a church member. And that's what it's like for us as believers as well. We're to mature in our faith. We have responsibilities as believers. How many of you know this morning that when you give your life to Christ... It's not just the end of an old life. It's the beginning of a new life. It's the, it's the beginning of a life where, where Christ himself gives us responsibilities to continue on to walk with him. We've been going through the book of Colossians, and that brings me to where I'm going to spend most of my time today in Colossians chapter 1. We talked about who the letter was written to, the, the faithful and the fruitful Colossian church. Last week, we talked about the, the supremacy of Christ and what it looks like to be reconciled with Him. How Christ died for us and how He takes on our sin and bestows us His righteousness. And I'm going to pick up right where we left off last week. The last verse we read last week was verse 22, verses 21 and 22. It says, And you, who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works... Yet now He is reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and blameless in reproach in His sight. Amen, glory, hallelujah to that. That was a high note to end on last week. But verse 23 is a verse that causes many some problems, and it causes many to stumble. And this is what it says in Colossians 1.23. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, And are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you heard, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. It seems like a troubling verse. And we left off here last week. We left off in verse 22 last week because I didn't want there any confusion about what happens after one puts their faith in Christ. Some could take this verse and take it and twist it to make you believe that hey, you know what? Maybe you can lose this salvation. Maybe you can lose this reconciliation. But a deep 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 study into this text, you realize that's that's not the that's not the context, that's not the content. That's not what Paul was saying here at all. To be a good student of the Bible, any verse you read, you've got to really consider three main things. You've got to consider the context, You've got to consider the language, and you've got to consider the author. And we know the context. We went over this. It was written to the Colossian church. They're faithful. They're fruitful. Paul thanks thanks them for their faithfulness. He'd heard about their faithfulness. So they are faithful believers. And we know the, the author. Paul states that he's the author in the very beginning. So that's important that we know the author because Paul repeatedly throughout his letters argues for the security of the believer. This is the same man that wrote that, that I, in Philippians that I'm confident that he who began a good work in you will continue until the day of Christ. He's the same one that wrote in Romans 5 that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. He's the same one that wrote in Romans 8 that I'm persuaded that neither death nor angels nor any such thing can separate us from the love of Christ. So Paul wouldn't write... Anything that suggests that your reconciliation, your justification, your salvation could be taken away. So that brings us to the third issue here, and that's the Greek. What is Paul really saying? And to really understand this, you've got to dive deep into the Greek grammar. You see in the Greek, the word if is directly translated to if from the, the particle I, e I. And, and that word indicates an assumption of truth. Paul assumes that the Colossians will continue in their faith. This is not an if of the future. It's an if of the past. A more accurate translation would, would render something like since indeed or assuming you continue in the faith. And I don't have the time to to go into it all this morning of the depths of Greek grammar, of a protasis and apodosis and all that stuff. But I just want to start there this morning to let you know that if one could lose their salvation, you absolutely would. No one's going to snatch it away. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, why did Paul write this verse? What was he getting at here? Let me share with you personally, I like the New Living Translation of this verse where it translates it this way, but you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. Really, when you dig down into it, what I find is this isn't a warning. This isn't a warning saying, hey, if you don't continue in the faith, you're going to lose your salvation. This is really an exhortation. It's an encouragement to tell them how to act in the time in which they live. I would call it the responsibility of the reconciled. In this verse, in my new King James Version, I see four specific responsibilities, four things on our list that we're to do as the reconciled, as believers in Christ. Four things that really should come natural to us as believers. First, I see this. He says, continue in the faith. Continue in the faith. That's the first truth. Church, true believers, true convert, those truly reconciled in Christ will do as these Colossians had done and they will continue in the faith. This means ha- having that faith in the supremacy of Christ Jesus that we talked about last, last week, that He is indeed over all, that everything was created for Him. Knowing that, that He is indeed over all. Continuing in the faith means that, that we know everything. Absolutely everything has purpose. Nothing happens by accident. Let me tell you something. It's no accident you're here this morning. It's no accident this is the text we're in this morning. It's no accident this was the song that, that Shea and Brooke and the youth sang this morning. Continuing in faith means that we can, in any circumstances, indeed, raise a hallelujah to Christ our King. Continuing in faith gives us peace gives us purpose gives us hope knowing that that nothing absolutely nothing we deal with doesn't have a purpose everything has a reason there there's there's a purpose behind everything so many of us we we get the wrong idea and we we think that what we're going through god's picking on us there's no reason for this but i tell you our god is sovereign There's a reason for this. Whatever I go through, my faith is not going to be made weaker. It's going to be made stronger. Paul also tells them this, the second truth. He tells them to be grounded. Indeed, you continue steadfast in the faith. Grounded. Grounded. It's so unfortunate today that so many Christians are not grounded in their faith. Many continue in the faith, but they're not very grounded. We should be grounded. What are we to be grounded in? Well, I'll tell you a good place to start is the Scripture, the Word. We're not grounded in the truth of Scripture. We'll be led away by every wind of false doctrine. Paul was worried about this for them. As there was a a local heresy going around, and we'll talk about that in chapter 2. And as a pastor, as a leader, as a parent, it's something that I worry for all of you too. There's so many heresies going around today, so many false gospels, so many twisting of the truth. And I'll tell you, it's important for us as believers to remain grounded in the truth of Scripture. If we know why what we believe and we know why we believe it, being led away, being led astray, that's not going to happen. We'll believe the truth. It's your responsibility as the reconciled. It's your responsibility as a believer to stay grounded in the word of truth. How do I stay grounded? Well, I tell you, there's not a day goes by that I don't read the holy word of God. I might not read it all every day, but I try to read some of it every day. If I believe that this is God's holy word, if I believe it's inerrant, if I believe it's inspired, why in the world would I... As a child of the King, why wouldn't I be in His Word every day? Another way that that I believe we should stay grounded is I worship in a Bible-believing church. If, If I believe in the Bible and I believe the Bible says that God calls and speaks through pastors, well, then of course I want to hear from one. Man, you're not staying very grounded if you make the decision to stay home Sunday after Sunday and Wednesday after Wednesday. Why aren't we grounded? Is because we stay away from God's Word and we stay away from God's pastors. Let me just take a minute and say this: another great way, great way to be grounded, is to be actively involved in Sunday school. Is here in our Sunday school and our small groups where we can hear of what others are going through and what others have went through. And once again, if I believe like it says in Ephesians that God gave teachers, why in the world would you not want to be taught? I want to be grounded and I want you to be grounded and I want to use all of the tools God has given us to stand firm in the faith. Staying in the Bible, coming to worship, coming to Sunday school to be taught. Also, it's not about the things I do do. It's also about the things that I don't do. Me personally, I've made the decision to abstain from distractions. Anything that, that may uh, move me away from God Almighty. Anything that may move me away from the truth of the gospel, I'm going to stay away from. This may be sin. There are certain things that the Bible says not to do, so I'm going to make the conscious decision to stay away from it. That's easy enough. It also may be friends. If I've got friends that want me to be somewhere on Sunday morning, I'm going to have to distance myself from them because I want to be grounded. This may be social media. It may be a whole host of things. But church, I want to be grounded in the truth. And I want you to be grounded in the truth. It's my responsibility as a believer. He also tells them the third thing. He says, continue in the faith. Be grounded. And it says, steadfast. Or stand firm. Christians should be rooted Absolutely rooted in the, the truth of the Scripture. Nothing, absolutely nothing, should move us away from the solid rock of Christ Jesus. He is overall like we let, read last week. So, He deserves my all. So, I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to steadfast. I'm not going to move from what the Word says to what the world says. What does this look like today in 2023? It could mean a bunch of things, but I'll tell you for me personally, I think one of the biggest things is I'm not going to join in or rejoice in what the Bible calls sin. Came up a topic at dinner the other night. I'm going to stand firm in the faith. I'm going to stand firm on what the word says. So that means even if somebody I love with all of my heart decides to have a a same-sex wedding, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to bless it because I'm going to stand firm on what the Word says. It's not a means of hate. It's an act of love. I had a friend not long ago. She got divorced from her husband and she put it all on Facebook. She had a, a divorce party. I mean, they went all out, they had balloons, and they had everything else and I saw people I know people I love, people I respect, go to it, and I just got to think about it, man, what a horrible thing divorce isn 't something to be celebrated that 's something to mourn over and I know that the Bible gives precedent for it, and there 's times that it happens there 's abuse there 's adultery there 's all of that stuff, but i 'm not going to celebrate i 'm not going to go to a divorce party i 'm going to mourn i 'm going to pray pray with all that is within me. I don't see that. I'm not going to celebrate it. I'm not going to throw my support behind something I know is dangerous, something that I know is hurtful. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to stand firm in what the Word says. I'm going to follow God's instruction for my life. See, what happens is when we do these things, we think it's not a big deal. It's their decision. It's not mine. I don't think it's a big deal, but... When we do this sort of thing, what ends up happening, we end up being a stumbling block for somebody else to follow Jesus. Well, Brother Kevin went to this wedding. Brother Kevin went to this party. Brother Kevin did this. So if he says it's okay, it must be okay by God Almighty. And they'll say it about me. And you'll say, well, you're the pastor, but I assure you, church, they'll say it about you too. They know where you're at this morning and they know where you were at last night. There's no secrecy anymore with social media. We need to be firm. We need to stand fast. And then lastly, he says in this verse, not to be moved away from the hope of the gospel. Not to be moved away from the hope of the gospel. Truth number four. Man, this gospel gives us hope. As Christians, as believers, as the reconciled, we look forward to the day when everything will be made right. We look forward to when Christ returns. We don't dread it. We're not dreading that day. We're looking forward to day. We look forward to the day where we will be with the Lord always. When you're not moved away from the hope of the gospel, what often happens to Christians, we come to the altar, we give our life to Christ, and we get moved and we get hopeful and we get excited. And then soon soon after that hope kind of drifts and we don't share anymore we we don't worship like we used to we forget about the glorious hope of the gospel but if you don't be if you're not moved away from it you're going to share it with others you're going to live a lifestyle above reproach because of that hope it's our responsibility as the reconciled to live with this hope in mind how do i live with this hope in mind for me personally i'm not looking backwards I think there's a reason that that Paul reminded them twice, like we mentioned last week, that, hey, like it says in verse 21, you were once alienated. You were once enemies. You don't want to go back there. Keep your eyes forward. I'm not going backwards. I'm moving forward. I was once alienated. I was once an enemy, but I'm not no more. I'm looking forward to the hope of the gospel. God's Word, God's Bible, God Himself says that I'm a new creature in in Christ and I'm I'm not going back to that. I don't want to be that old creature. I want to live for the new. I'm going to live for Him. I'm going to serve Him. And I'm going to try my best to follow Paul's model because the Gospel is so very glorious. I love reading the works of the Apostle Paul. He's probably my personal hero in the New Testament or my personal hero overall. And this is what I love about the Apostle Paul. He's, he's a good leader. He's a mighty missionary. He's done wonderful things for Christ. And this is what I find. A good leader, whether in Bible times or in today's time, a good leader never instructs his followers to do something he would not do or he's not doing himself. So in the following verses, as we close out chapter 1, and next week we'll go into chapter 2, I want to show you how Paul practiced exactly, exactly what he preached in verse 23. What was Paul's model for the reconciled? How, how did Paul live out his life being a new cre- creation in Christ? Let's read together in verses 24 through 29 this morning. Look at verse 20, 24. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up my flesh. What is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Paul saying here, this like, like the psalm. I raise a hallelujah in my sufferings. You see what he's doing? He's continuing in the faith regardless of the suffering, even rejoicing in it. No matter what may come his way, no matter what change, no matter what prison cell, no matter what's going on, he's continuing in his faith because he knows there's a purpose behind it. I think about Paul in that prison cell. I'm sure there's many places he would have rather been. But do you realize if he would have not been in that prison cell, he would have never written this letter. He would have never written Philippians. He'd have never written Colossians. He would have never met Onesimus. He'd have never written Philemon We wouldn't have much of the New Testament if it was not for His time and change. God has a purpose. So you continue in the faith because God's working behind the scenes in a way that we can't even see. We are benefiting the fruits of His labor 2,000 years after His imprisonment because He continued in the faith. Continue, church. Paul did. We're instructed to. It's our responsibility. He also goes on in verse 25. Of which I became a minister, according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. We see he's continuing in the faith, but he's also remaining grounded. Grounded in what? To fulfill the word of God. He's remaining grounded, fulfilling the word of God. Paul describes himself as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. If there was anybody that knew the word, it was Paul. And he was remaining grounded to fulfill exactly what the Word says. He continues a little bit about what the Word says. Verse 26, The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope and glory. You study the life of Paul, you'll find that Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles. He went to Gentile after Gentile after Gentile, to, to Greeks, and he shared with everybody he could. In this verse, I see that he is being steadfast, he is not moving away. He is a man on mission. Just like he told, told him in verse 23 to to be steadfast, and just like he told him to continue in the faith and to fulfill the Word of God, Paul is doing all three of these things because it's his responsibility. Verses 28 through 29, as the chapter closes out, Paul says this, Him we preach, Christ we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. Finally, we see the fourth truth that we saw in verse 23. Paul is not moved away from the hope of the gospel. His goal is sharing the hope of the gospel with every single man. And his goal is to present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. He wants to see every man reconciled by the blood of Jesus on that old rugged cross. Just like I said at the beginning. Paul didn't want to raise baby Christians. Paul wanted to raise fully mature Bible believing missionary Christians that would carry this gospel all over the world. And he was successful in that because he continued in the faith, because he was grounded, because he wasn't moved away from the hope of the gospel. Paul's doing all this, not because he's worried about losing his salvation. Paul's doing this because it was his calling He's doing it because he's in love with Jesus. He's doing it because he realized firsthand the power of the gospel. If there was anybody in all of the New Testament that understood what it was like to be an alien and an enemy of Christ, it was Paul. He was the one that, that was considering uh, to Christians' death. He was the one that was persecuting the church. He was the one that Christians were afraid to. He was an enemy if there ever was an enemy. But Christ sought him out. Christ reconciled him. And now Paul's going forward. He's being steadfast. He's continuing. And he's going on doing great things for Jesus. Not because he owes Jesus anything. Not to keep his salvation. Just because it's his responsibility as a believer. Church, I'll end like this and I'll I'll share this. I truly believe this morning with all my heart. I wouldn't say it if I didn't believe it. I truly believe verse 23 was not a warning, but an exhortation. I believe Paul is saying you guys are doing great and you just keep doing what you're doing and you're going to keep producing fruit. But it could be the case at this church in this hour this morning or for somebody watching online or somebody listening to the podcast. It could be the case that this verse could be a warning. It could be a warning for those who profess Christ as their Savior, for those who are Christians in name only, but there's no evidence. There's no fruit to show for it. Church, I, I was reminded in Sunday school this morning. I'm reminded when I read all the New Testament where there is faith, there is fruit. It's always there. Where there's faith, there's fruit. And all this stuff sounds good, but I just want to tell you, you can't continue in a faith you've never had. You can't do it. So I'm asking you this morning, do you have this faith? Do you have this life-changing faith? Do you have an experience you can go back to where your life has been radically changed, where you went from an alien, an enemy, to being part of the family of God? If not, you can. You can today. thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the message. I hope you understood it. I hope that you know your responsibilities as a reconciled, that you will continue in the faith, that you will be grounded, that you'll be steadfast or stand firm in the faith and never ever move away from the hope of the gospel. I hope you have a great week. I hope you'll come join us in person to worship at First Baptist Dry Prong every Sunday, 10 a.m. Have a great week.